Welcome to Dan Stand. Today I'm here bringing you an Ashes special. We are celebrating day one of the 2023 Ashes series between Australia and England with this special podcast. Um, I have been joined with my good friend, Mr. John Mahood, who is uh, a so-called cricket expert. Uh, no, he is. He knows a lot about cricket. He's uh, played cricket his whole life um, to a pretty high level. And uh, generally, if I've got a cricket question, he's the guy I would go to. So I've been lucky enough to um, have John join me for a conversation all about the Ashes. Now, it's really a kind of beginner's guide to the Ashes and cricket as I'm my, my cricket knowledge is um, is okay, but lacking. So I'm basically asking John a lot of questions and asking him to explain things to me about uh, both the Ashes and cricket. And um, and he does a very good job at providing the information. So um, I hope you enjoy uh, having that information as much as I did. And um, if you are a cricket fan, enjoy the Ashes day one at... Uh, Edgbaston is underway uh, as I record and I'll be looking to get this podcast out ASAP uh, so you can have a listen and uh, and enjoy the rest of the summer of cricket ahead of us. Um, now this is probably the least prepared I've been for a podcast and when I say least prepared I did zero preparation uh, because it was quite a last minute, um, a last minute idea. John came around. It was the first in-person podcast I've done. So apologies if the sound quality isn't uh, great, but uh, I I, I pretty much had five minutes to set it up and uh, John was uh, at my front door. So um, if I'm doing it again, hopefully (laughs) I'll have some time to, uh, to do a bit of a better setup so you've got better sound quality and... um, and yeah, and, and maybe uh, be a bit more comfy for the guest than it was for John. Um, but yeah, here is the Ashes special with Beaconsfield cricket legend, Mr. John Mahood. Welcome to the podcast, John Mahood. Thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, we are here to talk cricket. The Ashes. And the Ashes. The Ashes start tomorrow. Uh, Edgbaston, first test, yeah. and uh, you are my um, go-to cricket man. Okay. <laughs> uh, so if you could start by telling uh, telling me your kind of story and background in cricket, where the where the love came come from, and a kind of brief synopsis of your cricket career. I guess my earliest memory of cricket is. So I grew up in New Zealand, and so I remember being in Auckland playing for a club called Parnell when I was probably about eight or nine. And there's certain like memories I still have. Like I vividly remember being about ten years old and missing a catch, and it hitting me, and I had to go to hospital and get stitches and stuff like that. That's always that's always stuck with me. And then uh, I remember coming to the UK. So yeah, I came to the UK, and then I was kind of like always rugby and cricket with the New Zealand background. I think I got to about 13 and 14 and realised actually everyone's getting big. 
I don't want to play rugby anymore. I'll just stick to cricket. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, as I got taller as well, um, I was never quite that tall until I was about 15. I, that was when my sort of cricket really picked up in uh, Royal Grammar School, first 11, playing county through the age groups and stuff like that. And then... Um, so you were, you, were, you were a bowler? Yes. Were you always a bowler from when uh, Yeah, I think I've always been a seam bowler. I mean, like, I could definitely hold a bat, but as I started going up through the standard and the levels, it became apparent that I was a lower-reward batsman. Um, and so, yeah, so then played what, sort of league cricket for Beaconsfield for about 15 years. Um, played a bit of uh, minor counties. And in the last sort of 10 years, I've just focused on getting MCC membership. And that, yeah, and but, yeah. so now I'm kind of like, I'm definitely done with playing cricket now. But okay. You don't lose the passion for it. It's like, if you're playing, if you played football or rugby, whatever for you, you still love the sport. You just get to that point, you're like, right, I don't want to play anymore. Yeah. So, so how, what, I mean, what were the highlights of your, your playing career? You were, uh, was Beaconsfield the kind of majority? Yeah, uh, I mean, so when I was at university, I played against a team called Lashings, which was basically um, a load of ex-international players. So they came down to our university and played a game there. So the year before I, I was at university and played against them, Brian Lara actually played. Mm -hmm. um, the year I played, there was still about six or seven like ex-West Indian players, and so that was really good uh, experience. Um, I played a couple of second 11 games for Worcestershire when I was probably about 20, no, 20, yeah. And then, I, this on the web. <laughs> and then after, after university, I went down to New Zealand and played a summer out there, um, again for Parnell. So actually that, what was quite cool about that was that I met some of the people that I played with when I was a junior. Okay. So the, they, I'd gone to school with them and played junior with them and went over there and spent a summer out there. I think cricket has, can for some people has a bit of an image of being yeah. maybe dull, <laughs> boring, slow, slow, especially Test cricket, yeah. which is what uh, we're we're about to watch. Um, so, what is it that like about cricket that that you love? Like, is it this? Do you like the slowness of it, or is it more of the kind of like community feel of it, or the team spirit of it that, that kind of drew you in because when people are like you say you went from rugby when you're running yeah. around and you got physicality of rugby to then move to something like cricket that's so slow moving what what is it that you like people love about cricket um i think there's an element of it's a team sport but there's also the individuality yeah. so therefore uh so something like tennis is very much an individual sport. Something like football or rugby is very much a team sport. With cricket, you've got those individual battles whilst playing in a team environment. Um, that was always great. I mean, like the team environment is always very important to me. Um, but at the same time, you're able to focus on your own game and work on your own game without relying on your teammates. Whereas mm -hmm. in rugby, you've got to practice set moves and football set moves and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, it was. It, uh, I think it was just something that I naturally picked up and naturally felt that I enjoyed it. And growing up in New Zealand, the two main sports are cricket and rugby. So yeah, you yeah. kind of get into it at a young age anyway. And 
Um, I brought that back over here, and it probably just blossomed. I mean, in terms of following cricket, I think it's just it just happens. You kind of you play a sport that you enjoy. Mm. You identify um, players that you look up to and admire, and then you want to be them. Yeah, and then yeah. it just kind of goes from there. So who were, who were you looking looking up to? Uh, so when I was in New Zealand, it was probably Chris Cairns. Okay. Yeah. New Zealand all rounder. Um, and then getting a bit older, uh, I sort of really admired Darren Goff. Um, and then sort of the thing I always find really interesting is I'm the same age as James Anderson. Mm. So he's been playing test cricket for 20 years, but, but I remember him making his debut at like 20 Yeah, and I was like, oh, this guy's my age. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> That, I've always like you've got you've got to admire, admire the guy like the fact that I gave up playing club cr- cricket like six or seven years ago and, and he's, he's still playing, still playing cricket. cricket it's like it's incredible because yeah. I uh, I've kind of been had a kind of in and out relationship with cricket uh, during my life so we lived quite close to a cricket club yeah. growing up my brother played uh quite a bit but we would go over to the cricket club just for a knockabout in the next quite often and i played a little bit but never seriously like played the odd game for school the odd game for the club but never really got fully into it um and in terms of watching it as a fan Hmm. like i've always loved the ashes always got really into it love the rivalry against australia and there's some always found something quite kind of cathartic about sitting and watching a whole day's cricket. Like it's not something that I can really do as much these days. <laughs> Once you've had kids, that feels like a thing of the past. But with certain sports, the the ability to like it's like like watching golf, the ability to just sit and just watch it and watch how a sport develops and how the storylines develop during the course of an entire day is quite in, engrossing. Yeah. And, uh, and the thing is you're watching similar to golf where you watch it develop over four days, like cricket can be over five days. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it has quite a close relationship, I think, in, in how you view it as a sport. But um, there's been times with cricket where I have got bored watching mm-hmm. it and fallen out of it and generally now if it's not the ashes I don't go out of my way to watch cricket and um, I know they obviously the whole Indian Premier League 2020 actually I I go out of my way to watch the World Cups yeah whether it's 2020 or one day I do I do like that but if there's just some random cricket on the TV I won't necessarily go I'll watch that yeah, and, that, and that, but that's a generational yeah. thing, isn't it? If you think about like generations before us, they weren't necessarily able to watch as much TV uh, mm. cricket on TV, and so therefore now that it is something you can put into people's homes, then they want to try and get in the audience. And I think that that's essentially why T Twenty was created. Because, mm. And the hundred, I, I mean, I don't think the hundred's a great format, but I get why they tried to do it. Is they want to attract younger people to watch cricket, but. At the same time, every player will always say test cricket is the pinnacle and the ashes is the pinnacle. But mm. what's great about this England team at the moment 
is they're essentially bringing T20 cricket into test cricket. Yeah, the way England play yeah. at the moment. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, and the idea there is that they want to say, well, if the mindset was you want a T20 cricket in order to get it attract a young audience, mm. well, why can't we do that in test cricket? It doesn't have to be sort of try and slog every ball for six, but if you play with a purpose and a yeah. positive intent, then people will appreciate that. Because a few years ago, it seemed to be all the talk was test cricket's dying out. Yeah bringing in all these new formats and people don't want to sit and watch a whole day's test cricket anymore. Um, but now it doesn't seem, I don't hear that as much because of the way England are playing yeah. and that they are playing it like it's a, a shorter version of the game. But why is, why are they playing the game like that now? What's, what's happened? Uh, so I, I still think there are concerns about the future of test cricket. I think it's more a case of, there's only certain countries that can really make a lot of money out of test cricket. Like England will always get a full house. Mm. Australia will always get a full house. India will always get a full house. But outside of that, you don't necessarily get, maybe South Africa, you, you don't really get massive crowds. So therefore, it's how you make it commercial yeah. in, in other countries. But I think the main reason that England are playing the way they're playing is that they have got a coach who was famous for being positive they've got a captain who is famous for being positive sure yeah so i think it's just those two personalities want to sort of stamp their authority on the way the team's playing but at the same time they're also saying well let's make cricket interesting like just because it is scheduled over five days doesn't yeah. need to last five days as long as it's a good game no i don't know much about the australian team mm -hmm. i've heard Recently, what I've seen is that they're they're playing pretty well, mm -hmm. pretty good cricket. So it seems like it could be shaping up to be quite a good, uh, yeah. good match up. But uh, what do you know about the Australians? So since Stephen Smith has got the best batsman of our generation, he or best Test match batsman of our generation. Um, in the bowlers, they've probably got three of the three or four of the best seamers around at the moment. They've got a spinner who's got over 400 wickets. Um, but outside of that, so that, that's probably half the team. Outside of that, there are weaknesses. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you go back to 2019, Steve Smith had an incredible series and the bowlers basically stopped Joe Root scoring many runs. And so that's why it, it, the Ashes series ended up being a draw, but I think England were very lucky to get away with the draw. Yeah. Um, in last time England were down in Australia during COVID, it was, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily the greatest series because of COVID, but mm. it was definitely Australia's batsmen and their, and their, bolt, their, bolt, their batsmen and bowlers were just so much better yeah. than us. And they I mean, we, we never beat them in Australia. Apart from 2010. That, yeah. That's the only time in, I think, our lifetime that we yeah. beat them in Australia. Why, I mean, that, that, makes, that makes it seem like they're better than us. We, can, we can't beat them in Australia. But what I often hear talked about is it's the Australian wickets are so flat and it, it, it makes it more kind of suitable yeah. for their style of play. They, they, use a, they use a different cricket ball as well, which doesn't do as much as what the cricket ball in the UK would do. Okay. Um, but yeah, the ball, the pitches are a bit harder, a bit flatter. So therefore the batsmen are kind of grown up on it. It's harder to take wickets. But at the same time, all of their bowlers are tall, so they hit, hit it hard. Okay. Whereas our bowlers tend to be sort of skinny. Um, but, I mean, in, in the same way, though, 
before, apart from, well, going back to 2005, we haven't lost a series at home since 2005. So that's coming up to 20 years. Right. So there has definitely been over the last 20 to 25 years a case of England went at home, Australia went at home. So so we should win this one. You'd like, well, <laughs> you'd like to think so. I, I think it's going to be a really good series. Yeah, yeah, yeah it seems to be. I mean, there, there were times... In the, within the last 20 years where you weren't even, I wasn't even looking forward to the Ashes because you just felt like we, they were going to wipe the floor with us, especially mm. in Australia. We've, we've, we, we had a, a 5 nil, didn't we? Uh, I think we had two 5 two nils. 2-5 nils, nil, yeah. God, yeah. And, that, and, and you, a 4 nil. You, you're kind of closing your eyes while you're watching it. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah it's always more uh, enjoyable for a, for a Brit to watch it at home. Yeah, I've noticed that Sky don't often show highlights of the Australian tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, all the uh, all the uh, montages are, yeah. are, are in England, but yeah. So is that are the pitch is built in a different way, or is it just because of the weather, basically? I think it's the weather. Yeah, mm. the, I mean, whilst they do get rain, they're just getting more sun. Yeah, um, and they're just they're, they're well known for being bouncier. Yeah? The fact we've had a dry period leading up to the Ashes, dry hot period in, in England leading up to the Ashes, could that change the pictures? Yeah, definitely. I mean, what tends to happen here, though, is they tend to spin more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, that kind of opens up the game for everyone. I just think that... The other thing that always happens as well is that the home team will always get the groundsman to prepare the pitch for their strengths. Right. So therefore, our strength is always about getting the ball to seem or swing. So yeah. we're doing Anderson yeah. straight forward, that's what it's been. So therefore, you prepare the pitch in that way. Australia was always a case of, right, let's make it flat and hard. And so therefore, that doesn't suit the England bowl, does it? Yeah, yeah. So that's the it, way sound, it sounds a bit like the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Where, and it's in, in Europe, the Europeans are known for being better with uh, their short game and, yeah. and playing out of, <laughs> out of tricky places so we'll play a shorter shorter course and set up the course differently whereas the um the, the americans are recently known for this bomb and gouge yeah technique so they get the long courses yeah. and and uh yeah it's very, very very lot of similarities um between cricket and golf as a sport i think that you tend to to notice yeah and you often find that cricketers are good golfers yeah, because of the handball. Court, yeah, yeah, know. yeah. Well, they they have the same um, same uh, benefits and the same faults. I yeah. think with the cricketers I play golf with. Maybe that's more than bowlers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they can always seem to be able to easily hit it a long way. Yeah, because it's just that natural timing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, of course, we've got the U.S. Open starting today, yeah. as well as the Ashes yeah. starting tomorrow. The U.S. Open starting today, and U.S. Open is one that's traditionally known as the hardest major in terms yeah. of the golf courses they set it up and it's crazy yeah what they do you always see the the videos of people dropping balls into the rough and then you can, can't even see the ball yeah. just from from knee height and then uh, the, the greens are like concrete and they're always in danger of uh, losing the golf course but um, yeah so I'll be watching uh, hopefully watching a lot of sport this weekend. Watching cricket as a fan, yeah. Um, I I've been to watch cricket once or twice, and usually there's a lot more focus on extracurricular activities yeah. rather than spectating. 
Uh, is that what, I mean, how much cricket have you been to watch? Quite a bit? Yeah, I mean, so as an MCC member, I get a Lords as much as I can. Um, I guess, I, I mean, although having said that, since COVID, I, I think I went to watch the game at Lords the other week and that was the first time I've been in a while. But yeah, I mean, I remember going to watch the 2020 finals there a few years ago. That was a long day of drinking. Mm. Um, but that's, that is the sort of the beauty of watching cricket is that you can keep up with what's going on yeah, but be very social at the same time. Whereas it seems like halfway between tennis and darts. Yeah, <laughs> where yeah. you got guys dressed up, so someone dressed up as like a knight. Yeah, sat next to someone who's maybe in chinos and a yeah. <laughs> and a nice top. And you get and you get different atmospheres and different vibes at all the different grounds around the UK. Mm. Um, so like Lords is very sort of um, proper. Right. Because you've got the members, although it kind of lets itself go every so often. Uh, Edgebaston is very raucous in the Holly Stand. Um, in Headingley, you've got uh, the Western Terrace, which is pretty crazy as well. Um, so, yeah, I've experienced both of those. It's actually it's something I've thought about recently is I want to go and watch more cricket around the UK. Okay. So, like, I've done Lords loads, I've done the Oval, but I haven't done. Old Trafford, I haven't done uh, Trent Bridge, I haven't done... Edgbaston. I've done Edgbaston, yeah. And where, where's the other one? Uh, Headingley. Did it, oh, I did Headingley a long time ago, but it's one that I'd like to do again. Mm. Yeah. Um, it seems like every everywhere there's a cricket ground is a good place for a night out as well. Yeah. <laughs> what came first? <laughs> yeah. The, the cricket or the night out? Well, yeah, and also most of them are very... Central, yeah. Um, like I think even Cardiff is just down the down the river from the town centre. Yeah, Trent Bridge is very central. So yeah, it's always very easy to go from a game of cricket through yeah. to a pub afterwards. I think it's a the, the tradition in English sport, really, like very old English sports that a, a, a community is yeah. built around a sport, whether it be a football club, a golf yeah. course, a, a cricket ground. It's um. It's very, uh, very traditional British that, that the sport is, is based in a town and a town pops up around it and like you'll have a train going past yeah. and things. There's something quite kind of quaint and nostalgic about it, isn't it? I mean, one of the things with Lords as well is that when you watch the football at Wembley, you'll always see the, the club Wembley seats and half to half time, they're always empty because everybody's still having a drink yeah, and they yeah. don't come back. And it's kind of frowned upon in football. In cricket, it's definitely not frowned upon. <laughs> I mean, like, behind Lords... The players like, stop to well, have a drink. <laughs> yeah. But um, behind the pavilion at Lords, there's got, like, a couple of gardens and you just find people in there for hours. I think I've actually been to Lords once and missed the entire middle session. <laughs> I did that at Twickenham once. We went for the sevens. Mm. And I don't think I watched a minute of rugby. Mm. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Yes, there's um, there's something to be said in uh, in watching sport without watching sport. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, I guess it's also like, if you go to watch football or you go watch rugby, you tend to want to make a day of it anyway. Yeah. So the actual event is only a couple of hours, but you want to make a day of it. But with cricket, the event is seven or eight hours. So you can make a day of it at there. It's like, yeah, like going to watch the golf, like going to the horse racing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a day yeah. out, not just a, a sporting event. Yeah, not just go and watch this. Which, yeah. Which then means the longer it goes on for, the better. Yeah. <laughs> if it was if it was only ninety minutes long, you'd be like, oh, god, this is. 
It wasn't, wasn't much drinking, was it? <laughs> and he just started. <laughs> your kind of moment that I know about, that you're uh, most most famous for, <laughs> uh, happened in, was it in Australia? Yeah. Yeah, I think you, you know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So if you could tell us the story yeah. around that. So, uh, so back in... 2010 my parents were living in Australia so my brother and I had gone out to Australia for Christmas and we thought oh we'll go down to Melbourne and watch the um the Ashes test and so we did day three which was great we kind of just in normal seats and then day four well actually the background was England were pummeling Australia so and if they won the test they were going to um win the series and so there were no Aussies at the ground so day four was basically empty so we just rocked up um got some tickets went and found the Barmy Army went and sat with them and we're kind of like right behind the bowler's arm, uh, where the bowler's bowling. And then just there, having a couple of beers, and then all of a sudden, um, one of the Australians launched the ball for six, just having to come to my direction, and I managed to catch it. Um, I always say to my brother that I saved his life. <laughs> um, but it's just one of those things, it's like, there is no way that... I could have made it happen. It, the ball just happened to come down exactly where I was. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't make a fool of myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the slightly mad thing that I kind of don't necessarily talk about a lot is I actually was flying home later that day. Right. So, as you can imagine, if you catch a ball in the crowd, everyone's going to go pretty mental about it. And yeah. You're going you're gonna to go have a few drinks and stuff like that. So, I had a few drinks. And then I had to get myself to the airport to fly back to the UK later that day, which wasn't the greatest, <laughs> which wasn't the greatest, greatest experience. Yeah, it's a long flight at the best of times. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, no, that, again, that, like, that was great because I was with my brother, we were with a bunch of people that, or with a bunch of people we knew as well that we kind of like met up with the day before and all got together because we could basically go and sit where we wanted. So um, yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a good memory. Excellent. And that was uh, caught on TV? Yeah, apparently it made the BBC News. Um, one of my uh, friends on Facebook said it's the coolest thing I've ever done. Um, I don't, <laughs> one of my... Sounds like a quote. One of my friends on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I've topped it yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's the greatest day of your life. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Top three. Top three, yeah. <laughs> Four? <laughs> oh, dear. So, maybe top, let's say top five because there's a David Guetta pool party as well. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, so, I've, funnily enough, during the 90s, I happened to be on the same plane as the Australian cricket team. Yeah. Twice. Okay. Uh, when, when I was a teenager, but probably about five years apart. So, once when I was about 13, once when I was about 18. Uh, so, the, and I remember the teams because. Even at, even at that age, at like 13, I remember the Ashes. It was mm. always on Channel 4. Yeah. And I think the music drew you in more than anything when it was on Channel 4. And um, the, uh, the Australian cricket team on the plane, because we went and asked for their, got all their autographs, yeah. me and my brother. And it was like um, uh, Boone. Notorious for boozing on the plane. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they were all in, yeah. all in first class. Um, and pretty much all of them have got the, the handlebar yeah. moustaches. And then the team 
in the in the late nineties was that amazing team of um, Stephen Mark Waugh, yeah. Brett Lee, uh, Shane Warne, uh, Paul McGrath. Uh, Paul McGrath? Yeah, Glenn. Glenn McGrath. Yeah. Paul McGrath's the footballer. Yeah. Very, very good footballer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know they were on our plane then, and we were waiting at baggage, baggage control, and all of a sudden these big bags, mm. all matching, started coming past us, and they all had these names on them. <laughs> and I was like, I know that name. I know that name. <laughs> and then we looked at where they're going, and it's the whole team there. And as... Uh, we came out of the airport. I was walking behind um, Steve Waugh, mm-hmm. who was the captain yeah. at the time, and he got stopped by a wall. This is in Sydney. Yeah. He got stopped by a wall of press, and I was stuck behind him trying to try to get past. And he started doing an interview as I tried to get <laughs> tried to get around him. So um, the the interview of Steve Waugh on whatever that was probably would have had some pasty white English teenager trying to push his way past. I mean, imagine if you found that on YouTube. Oh no, incredible! <laughs> I always remember that team, hmm. that Australian team, as being like the team. Like I couldn't. Uh, that's probably the only team that's not English where I can like name yeah. pretty much the whole team. And um, I've always wondered though whether, like, in terms of the Ashes and that team, hmm. whether that Australian team was really, really good, or the England team was really, really bad. Hmm. And like, I do think it's probably a bit of both. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think the players are bad, but yeah, I mean, that Australian team dominated in the same way as Man United did. Yeah. Or City are now, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're incredible. It's like every single one in that team took. Every single player took it in terms to be the best player in the world yeah. at some point. Yeah, it was amazing, and um, like we 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 had a reply in Freddie Flintoff. Yeah, a few some years later, and uh, it was like every Ashes seems to have that memorable moment or memorable player. Yeah, that comes from it. Cause you, yeah, you basically have Botham's. Out, like I remember from being a young young kid, as it was like Ian Botham was the cricketer. Yeah. Like if, if you said anything about cricket, Ian Botham was mentioned. It's funny you said. It's, well, it's funny you said that. Well, reading like Mike Afton wrote something in the Times today where he said like Ashes series are like stepping stones of your life. Right. So like, there's always one or two key moments from an Ashes series that you kind of like. I remember like that part of my life. Yeah. So yeah, like both well Botham's before our time, but I think of. Um, to be honest, actually, it's after our teenage years, probably I think of like, yeah, I think of Freddie in 2005. Mm. I think of um, the Australian series that we won. I think of um, Ben Stokes at Headingley. I think of Stuart Broad at Nottingham. Mm. There's all those sorts of things. And actually, you could go back earlier and there's like, Mark Butcher got like a big hundred in 2001. NASA got us. Double in, in ninety seven. So like all these things that yeah, you're right. The other one about last series that nobody remembers is Joffrey Archer versus Steve Smith, which was always like mm. that. Yeah. That was that was yeah. like that was probably for me the best yeah. cricketing moment. He pretty much hasn't hasn't played since then, has he? Yeah, he's got like a dodgy elbow. But like mm. if you if you took away Stokes's innings at Headingley, mm. that was the key thing for me. Archer yeah. versus Smith. So what what are your predictions for this series then? Players, who who do you think is going to shine? Um, 
So the Australian is a guy like Travis Head who just got 100 in the game against India the other day. I think he's one to be careful of because um, he plays in the same sort of way as England do and that he kind of just attacks. Um, I don't know. I really want Joe Root to score a lot of runs. Um, I don't... I'm not 100% confident that we'll win the series. But I think it. I think it will be a draw. It will be a very closely fought series. I think that Basel, as they call it, will they'll be consistent right. in consistent in playing. Yeah. Yeah. But I just got this feeling that there'll be one game where it just goes horribly wrong. And I hope, really hope, it's not early in the series because if it happens early in the series, then you've got to get back from it. But I don't know. It's going to be good to watch, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and most likely. Jimmy Anderson's last ever Ashes, last ever Test. I wouldn't be surprised if it's his mm-hmm. last ever season. You could bow out. Yeah, I think he is pretty close to getting 700 Test wickets. I think he needs about 18. Mm. So I think that's his sort of. Incredible. Yeah, he'll do that and then probably call it a day or whatever. Yeah. Call. So we've got Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad. Yeah. And he must be coming. Towards the twilight of his career now? Yeah, he's 36, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a bit of an end of, end of an era with, with those bowlers. I imagine, yeah, you can kind of picture it. If England win the Ashes, I can imagine them both calling it a day at the same time. Mm. That is not a bad way to go out. Yeah. So, and the rest of the team, we've got Stokes, obviously. Yeah. And he's probably in, the, in his prime. Yeah, I mean, he since being captain, I'd say he's probably put the team above himself, and so I think there's probably a couple of performances in him. You know that with Ben Stokes, that if somebody needs to dig in, he'll do it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you've got Joe Root, who is probably our best ever batsman. Yeah. So I always found, it, it seems like there's a lot of English uh, captains whose performances drop when they become yeah. captain, it always felt like that with Joe Root. Uh, he was he, he was so good, and then he could just never be as good as he was once he was captain. I mean, Root was a funny one because I think he actually carried the team for a while, but at the same time, he had to captain through COVID. Yeah, and nobody played as much cricket through COVID as England did, so therefore that must have been a pretty mentally exhausting experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I think it was definitely the right thing for him to step down as captain. Um, and now you get like that sort of end of his career where you want him to try and score as many runs as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and have, is there anyone, because uh, I don't know, apart from the kind of yeah. stars of the team, I don't know a lot about anyone coming through. Is there someone that you think might come to the forefront that's going to be the new star of the England team this yeah series. there's a couple of there's two guys called Ollie one Ollie Pope yeah uh, batsman yeah um, I think he's I mean he basically looks like you You remember Ian Bell he basically bats and looks like Ian Bell but sure. I think he's got a big future and then Ollie Robinson who's a seam bowler right I think he's the one who's probably going to be the who takes over from Anderson Broad? Like he yeah. is a proper tall. He's a bit like Glenn McGrath in a way, in that he's tall, hits the same spots, and pretty metronomical. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I'd imagine that he could have quite a big summer. And who's our spinner? <laughs> um, so, it was meant to be Jack Leach, but he got injured. Yeah. So, we have got Merlin Alley, which I'm not sure. Oh, he's back. Yeah, I'm not sure it's like the yeah. best thing, but I get why they've done it. It's like there isn't really anybody else who is experienced enough, I guess, to go straight into the National Series. Yeah. Um, so, they've probably gone with the safe eruption but I don't know necessarily whether he'll be able to do the same sort of job. Mm. Shane Warne was was he so far ahead was just a freak. Of, of anyone else. Yeah. Just a freak. He was just a freak. Like you always get one in each sport. Like Warren was like your Michael Jordan or your Messi. Yeah. It's just like a different class. Because he was he was in that team with Ricky Brettley's and, yeah. and Brad McGrath's. And I remember at the time, just like, oh, I hate them. I hate them so much. And it's just there's, there's so much attitude and yeah. the way they play. And But I look back on them with real fondness. Mm-hmm. But at, at the time, it's like, I can't, I can't stand them. I wanted anything, nothing more than to beat them, yeah. just to show them. And But it would, it would just never happen because they were so good. And... And uh, I never, would never think that I'd actually look back on them and go, oh, they, was, they were brilliant, they were so good, and I like, yeah. almost missed them. And such good kind of personalities of the game. Who was the guy, the um, the other fast bowler, who always had a tash? Uh, no fuse. No. How Gillespie? Gillespie. Yeah. Yeah, and they were, all the English fans used to call him a gypsy. Yeah. <laughs> so where's your, um, where's your caravan? Where's your caravan? Yeah. Um, yeah, he was probably one that was just like, he just used to wind people up so much, didn't he? I think Aussies just do it naturally, don't they? Yeah, it's part of their makeup. Yeah. <laughs> it seems they get if they teach it in school. There must yeah. be a class of um, shit house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, you look at, if you look at golf, you see like Cameron Smith. You can tell. You know, <laughs> I bet he's a pain in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Australian uh, speciality. <laughs> Going back to what you were saying about how like you hated them. I think 2005 was so good because we won mm. the Shane Warne had been so good. So yeah. you were able to like appreciate him because and, you won. And we, yeah. yeah, it was almost like we, we needed that mm. to be able to still love cricket and appreciate them. We needed that win. Yeah. That Freddie win. Uh, I mean, it was, it's, it's always known as Freddie's Ashes, isn't it? Yeah. But it was, Kevin Peterson was a big part yeah. of that, wasn't well, it? Well, yeah, I mean, they, put, they took a big risk picking him and it paid off. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I've got such fond memories of that. But I was actually working at Lords that summer. Oh, were you? Yeah, and I remember watching like the first over of the series um, in the pavilion at Lords. I remember watching like the end of the old Trafford Test where we tried to get the last couple of wickets. We were sat in one of the bars in like yeah. St John's Wood. Um, so yeah, like that. It's got like a, I, but I think every for everyone of our generation and possibly the generation slightly after us. It was such a big thing, yeah. cricket-wise. So. I think people remember that such a fondness for sports that happen at particular times in their lives when they can appreciate it more as well. Because yeah. that, that actually, I was in my 20s, living with friends, yeah. and we were able to just sit around all day watching cricket and drinking. Yeah, I mean, it's um, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it was an, an amazing series, and you're kind of like, oh, what a summer that was. 
and it's the same with different yeah. like different kind of World Cups and stuff you look back on as your favourite ones I think it's related to where you were in your life at that point that you could just enjoy it more rather than being oh at that point I was changing nappies and really busy at work so <laughs> yeah but it's like imagine if we got to the um well, we, we won, when, when we won the Rugby World Cup, it was I was at university. But imagine if we got to the Euros final. Yeah. When you were at school. Yeah. You wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as like the whole run up of the Euros. I mean, all that we lost, you wouldn't have enjoyed that experience as much at school because you're just watching it on the TV. But yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I think you're. De- I think you're right. Is that when you get to your adult life? Yeah. The thing is, pretty much the whole time we were at school, we didn't we didn't qualify for a World Cup. When, the whole time I was at school, so we had Italian 90 when I was just starting school. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, France 98, I was, uh, I, I was able to go to the pub. I don't think we were good at any sports in the 90s. Yeah. We, did, we were rubbish at the Olympics, rubbish at rugby, rubbish at football, yeah. <laughs> rubbish at cricket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, it looks, look back so fondly on the 90s with sport. It's amazing that we like, we're united with it, that was the thing. <laughs> Didn't need everything else. Yeah. <laughs> So what's the main thing we're looking for this weekend? Um, get Steve Smith out cheaply. Right. Get Steve Smith out cheaply. He's the, he's the key. Yeah. He's the key we need to unlock yeah. to, uh, to uh, get this test and get the Australians to get off to the I think so, side. yeah. If, he, yeah. if we can keep him relatively quiet through the whole series, then we've got a very good chance now. Brilliant. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank Thanks, you very much. Thanks for having me. And uh, enjoy the summer of the ashes. Yeah. <laughs>